Welcome to You're the Boss, a mantra for anyone who's ever had to face their own fears, struggles, and even failures. Join host Larry Roberts for a deep dive into overcoming limiting beliefs and identifying where our pasts can shape us rather than define us to build a lifestyle and business filled with passion and purposeful leadership. Now your host, Larry Roberts. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of You're the Boss. And that's something we have to keep in mind each and every day. It's the benefits of entrepreneurship. It's what makes this journey so much fun is that we are the boss. But one of the things that we tend to overlook from time to time as we grow our businesses, as we start our businesses, I don't know about you, but you know, over the years I've started, grown, and sold multiple businesses, and we, we like to do the fun stuff. We like to get into the logo design. We like to get into the name design and the website design and all this cool design stuff. But a lot of times we forget to take the necessary steps to protect ourselves and protect all that cool design stuff and all those cool concepts that we've put in place. My guest today is Matt Davis, and he is of the Davis Business Law Firm. And he is going to talk to us today about what we need to do right out of the gate and even preemptively, even before we get out of the gate, to protect ourselves. It's it's not uncommon. People come to me and go, Larry, do I need an LLC or can I just use a DBA or what do I do? And what's the difference between the two? Hopefully, Matt will be with us today and answer those and many, many more questions. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Larry. I'm excited to be here because, you know, I saw your podcast I'm like this guy's a wild man. I want to <laughs> I want to be on his show. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, man, because I did a little homework myself, watched some of your YouTube videos and got some insights. And I was like, man, this is uh, there's some of this that I need to do, you know, so let's just jump in there right out of the gate. And, you know, uh, for the entrepreneurs that are out there or the, or the wantrepreneurs, because there's a ton of them out there as well, especially these days with the great resignation and all that that we have going on. So many wantrepreneurs. Uh, what do we need to do, man, to make sure that we get our ducks in a row before we step out there? and put ourselves on the line. Man, I'll tell you what, we've got a you know, we got a great document. We call it the Strong Protected Business Blueprint, okay? I think that's what we call it. Maybe it's the checklist. My COO is working on it right now because <laughs> we're, you know, we're constantly changing things. But, you know, what we did, so I run a business law firm and our playground, our sandbox are small business owners, ambitious entrepreneurs who want to do something with their lives. And that's what we love to do. We have offices from what, Kansas City, and then we're open in Austin, um, you know, everywhere in between. Um, and this, it's the checklist is what we called it because I decided I didn't like the blueprint. And what that's based on is on our online assessment, which anybody can hop on our website and do. And we took all what I did is I got all my lawyers together. I said, let's think up all the reasons of why people call us. What are the problems that they get into? Right. And, you know, we're the ones that get called when the hits the fan. Right. That's mm -hmm. why, you know, better call Saul. Right. Because Saul's the lawyer. Right. So the online assessment is designed around. OK, let's ask these questions and let's see what protections you can put in place. And, and what you need to do now, the that's that's the basic list over there. OK, 
And then what we did is with the checklist, we broke it down even further. And we took the stages of your business growth and we really based it around um, there's a great essay by a, a guy that's common in EO, or it's a commonly read essay in entrepreneurs' organization. Mm-hmm. And he he talks about it's called the essay is called "Evolve Yourself to Scale Your Business," and he talks about the stages of your growth. And you know when and you can break it down by either revenue size or by employee size, which by the way is frequently pretty closely correlated, right? And by revenue, I'd say real revenue, not cost of goods sold. And so, you know, there's some things, yeah, you do up front because you need to do it. And, you know, you just hit one, get an LLC, right? Do you have business partners? Make sure you have an operating agreement with, provi- you know, with exit provisions, because guess what? People, they get into, you know, LLCs, which are, you know, really partnerships masquerading as LLCs. Simple enough. It's not nothing wrong with that. It's a smart way of doing business. But they don't have an operating agreement. You know, we've got a case. We've got dozens of cases right now, but one that's on my mind up in Kansas where mom and daughter got into a business together and are now splitting sheets and they don't have an operating agreement. Mm. Yeah, you, Let's go to their house for Thanksgiving. That's going to be fun, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, but the the strong protected business checklist, which we're happy to send out. And at the end of this, I'll, I'll give everybody my email because cool. um, we're we're open book. We're like, hey, we want to help entrepreneurs, and it's no skin off our back. You know, it maps things out down, you know, the various stages of your growth. You know, let's say you're a entrepreneur. I love that word, by the way. And um, you're just starting out. Do you need to be worrying about a succession plan right then? No, you don't, because you ain't got a dang thing. You know, yeah, you've got nothing. Now, let's say you've got 20 employees and, you know, at 20 employees, you know, what are you making? Five million bucks, maybe. I kind of figure a quarter million dollars per employee is what you ought to be making to be, you know, reasonably successful. That's sure. that's my spitball number. See, I love that. And the fact that you even provided a number because so many people ask that very question. You know, how much revenue do I need before I can afford an employee? And, you know, especially in the content creation game, I'm heavily involved in the podcast industry as a whole. And so many podcasters want to leave their nine to five, leave their current positions and start a podcast and monetize it and grow it. And how do I do it? And when can I start hiring help? And the fact that you put a number on it right there, I mean, I think that's extremely valuable in and yeah. of itself. Well, and, and you know, by the way, too, I mean, I I run Davis Business Law. I run it. I, I own it. I don't run it. I mean, I've got a COO. I've got a CFO. I've got Jamie, who's the smartest person in the law firm, and who's, she's our firm administrator. We think that's what she does. Mainly, they call her my adult supervisor. But, you know, we, we run like a growth company. I mean, we're we're not a traditional law firm because traditional law firms are just fraternities, right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're run like crap. But that's I better shut up about that. <laughs> and okay, so look, we got the strong protected business checklist, and it, it maps out what you need to do when, based on the size of your company, and it looks at things that are just sometimes you know simple, but people don't think about like. Do you have somebody on your management team, you know, once you're of a certain size that will just tell you you're an idiot? 
And, you know, my people love telling me I'm an idiot. And, you know, I'm what married. I hear it every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. And so that that right there is a great resource. And we've been, you know, we share it with all the business incubators that we can and um, are, are happy to share it with anybody because you know, we, we're, we're content producers, too. And we, we like to get this stuff out there because, you know, it comes back to haunt us. I mean, I'm not entirely altruistic. Um, you know, people see what we've got and they're like, dang, this is a law firm that actually cares about helping people grow. And then the other thing is when we're working with fast moving entrepreneurs, my attorneys love it, too, because it's fun. It's exciting. And they're like, dang, this is this is kind of you know exciting to be a part of. So let me break down the difference for me because you, you, you touched base on the LLC. And I mean, that's some clarification that a lot of people look for. What is the difference from a legal perspective of an LLC and a DBA? Well, okay. So back in the day, there was this, this concept of limited liability came mm-hmm. about. And that's the idea that if, you know, you used to have to go get a charter from the queen, which was like, you know, chartered or whatever. And, you know, of course, we got rid of the king, or which is equivalent to the queen, of course, um, back in, what, 76? About then is when we got rid of them. <laughs> and right there. And then we, you know, we have um, started out as American corporate law. And LLC is basically corporation light. And there's there's a few reasons to have corporations anymore. I, I, I love thinking about this because I was at OU Law School, and we had this big drill sergeant, you know, uh, corporations teacher who used to say, LLCs are a flash in the pan. They're a bunch of crap. They're never going to last. And I like to hire him as an expert witness now and rub that in his face because I'm like, hey, professor, shut up, Davis. But anyway, the idea is get an LLC because, you know, if you're just setting up a small business, it protects your personal assets and there are certain tax advantages once you get bigger, but you know, get, get an LLC just to separate your personal assets from your business assets. So basically, because, the LLC they can go after the business, they can go after everything from the business perspective, but they can't take your house. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And it's super simple. But with I the twenty five dollar DBA, I mean, what does that even do for you, if anything? Nothing. It's just, you know, now you can have a a company, you know, you can have an LLC, DBA, whatever. Right, right. So, you you know, you but can have... as a sole proprietor, that. brand new entrepreneur, you go out, you, I think it's 25 bucks to get a DBA, go down to the county courthouse, get your DBA. There's, yeah. What, what protection or what is that, what purpose does that even serve outside of, of does it just secure oh, you the name within a frankly, certain... Well, not even yes, maybe. I mean, you're formally you you would and if I'm th- you know you're thinking Texas law, right? Of course, yeah. And, and I apologize and, for everybody listening outside okay. of Texas, but I'm very and, and <laughs> that's okay. I mean, well, you know, I know how you Texans are because you know we do. I'm a member of the Texas bar. Nothing else exists, you know. They, Texas they is don't. it, and and you know it's fun because you know on it. I live in Oklahoma and the Oklahomans have such a great relationship with the Texans. It's like a little brother versus a big brother. Yeah. You guys are, you guys are only aware of us because we beat you in football about half the time. Other than that, you're like, who Man, are these dorks? That's not fair. But so, anyway, we'll let that slide. <laughs> anyway, so now the DBA is, and, and by the way, I mean, everybody worries, 
a whole lot more about intellectual property. A lot of people, let me put it this way, about registering their trademarks than they should until they get big because there's all sorts of common law protection for trademarks. I mean, we, you know, one of the rules of our firm is always listen to me when I'm trying to talk you out of spending money with us, right? And people tend to appreciate that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hey, man, why are we spending this? You know, why do we want to go register this trademark? Um, because, and you know, it can get expensive because if, you know, if you're doing business as Joe's garage in, you know, Denton, Texas, and there's not another, another Joe's garage, you know, some guy can't come up just next door to you and set up Joe's garage. Right. Okay. You have common law trademark protection. And, you know, if you have to take him down to the courthouse, the judge, you know, pretty expeditiously is going to go, hey, Joe Poster, you know, you're not Joe Garage, right? And so, um, you know, so, okay, you know, yes, registering DBA with the state or the county or wherever you do, it varies from state to state, can, can maybe get you that protection, but it's all overblown. I mean, we, until you get big, you know, particularly trademarks, we don't take super seriously. And, you know, one of our attorneys was, you know, our oldest attorney was a trademark litigator for years. And, you know, he's, he'll tell you the same thing and he'll, he'll probably put his foot down harder than I will. Wow. That's interesting. Cause uh, so many people emphasize, man, go out, get that, get that, get that, get that, protect that, protect that IP, protect everything that you've got there. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of a red herring and they, they worry about all this crap when they ought to be worrying about going out and marketing and, you know, and marketing is getting leads, right? Going out and getting yourself the opportunities. They worry about all this crap rather than, okay, how do I go build it? Well, you know, because they're worried about, oh, maybe down the road, I'm going to be, well, you you know, you're probably just shooting yourself in the foot. Wow. Wow. So that kind of leads me to a question too, that I'm wondering, because when I established my LLC, I hired an attorney paid an exorbitant amount of money and not really, but for the process, it's, it was exorbitant. I don't know. I paid like 2,500 bucks, which, you know, you can go to the state, you can file your LLC for, I think it's 350. So I just had somebody just last week, I had this discussion. They're like, dude, all I'm going to do is go through the state. I'm going to do it. I'm like, yeah, but you're probably leaving yourself open to some nonsense. Why not just hire an attorney, take the hit and go forward. So was, was I ignorant? It sounds like I was pretty ignorant in paying that attorney 2,500 bucks to establish my LLC when I could have literally went online for 350 and handled it. Um, a few questions. Do you do you have any business partners? Uh, my wife is like the VP, but I mean yeah. it was just for the uh, sake yeah, of. Yeah, you paid too damn much. Okay, all right. Um, damn it. Sorry about my language. <laughs> but I got this cool uh, book. I got the cool little book with all the documents in it and the yeah. tab dividers and the name of the business. I mean, it was that's, that's uh, that was worth it, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> You know, we we don't charge nearly that much. I mean, if if somebody wants us to set up a you know, a single member LLC is a very different creature than a multi member LLC mm-hmm. because again, a multi member LLC is basically a partnership masquerading as an LLC, right? And that's you know, it's a good way of doing business because you know, partnerships, just general partnerships, don't have protection you know, limited liability protection. Now there's variations on that. We're not going to teach contract law. Sure, sure. You know, a, yeah. a partnership People are tuning law. out right now. 
Oh yeah, my God. By, by the way, I used to teach all that stuff at, at the local college, and I, it was just always story time with Uncle Matt. So I actually learned how to make it kind of fun. But single member LLCs, they're, they're pretty cheap. They're pretty easy to set up. You know, sometimes it's we don't try and compete with legal Zoom on it because I mean, if you're just setting up the single member, you know, it's it's just a few hundred bucks. Yeah. And, you know, Texas, the filing fees are higher in Texas than they are in Oklahoma or Kansas or Missouri. They, you know, Texans, Texas always says, you know, we don't have an income tax, but they get you everywhere else. <laughs> they do, man. <laughs> so we've spent a ton of time, not a ton, but we spent a lot of time during the conversation on LLCs and DBAs and everything in between there. What are some of the other considerations? Because generally speaking, that's the only thing that comes up in conversation when starting a business. What are some other legal considerations that we should take that are often overlooked? Well, I'm going to kind of take you a different way. Okay. That. I, I love the redirect. Yeah, because, you know, the best thing you can do is just stay out of, stay out of trouble, right? And, <laughs> right, because... I've heard that for 50 honest, years. It hasn't worked well, out too well for me so far. As an entrepreneur, you're in one of two spaces, okay? And we we call one the opportunity zone and the other one the problem pit, right? And this is part of what we teach our clients and what we work with them on, okay? And so it it took me, you know, I'm a slow learner too, Larry. took me 20-some years to figure out what we do in the law business is particularly business law is we help people deal with their vulnerabilities. Okay. Okay. You know, they're going to deal with their vulnerability. If they're calling us and they're getting sued, that's pants on fire. Right. Yeah. And, or, you know, we're going to help them set up their company or set up their part, you know, their map partnership masquerading as an LLC, whatever you want to call it. And, or, you know, with some business planning, that's dealing with vulnerabilities. And the thing we've learned, and I use this line all the time, is the people that deal with their vulnerabilities up front are the businesses that capitalize on their opportunities. Okay? Because again. if you deal with your vulnerabilities, you can capitalize on your opportunities. Love it. Okay. Because what that does is it keeps you out of the problem pit and in the opportunity zone. And, you know, I teach this all the time. I teach this to, you know, entrepreneurs organization. I teach it to YPL. I taught it to Inc. 5000 Masterclass. And the thought is, you're probably familiar with SWOT analysis. Oh, yeah. So let's draw a cross, and then we're going to have, what are our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? Particularly about your threats, that's just a lame question. Oh, well, what are our threats? Oh, I'm not sure what could go wrong. You know, it, it's, it's not an insightful question. And we like to work with our, our clients and go, okay, so my first book, The Art of Preventing Stupid, is <laughs> about, well, and I'm trying to provoke people. I'm trying to go, you know, most of your mistakes are stupid, unforced errors. They are. And, you know, uh, because most of the time you're going, I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I, how did I miss that? Okay. Yeah. And, but you got to ask smart questions about what your vulnerabilities are. And so 
we developed a matrix based around, uh, and this is, again, this is what that book is about. The next book I'm going to publish next year takes it to an even deeper level. It just builds on it, okay? But we, we looked at three three sources of all your threats or vulnerabilities or whatever you want to call them. You know, catastrophes, which are things that sucker punch you. They can be people. They can be the weather. They can be the market, right? Whatever. Two, what are you ignorant about? And, you know, what what's your learning curve? What don't you know that you need to know? And, you know, you dig down and you ask yourself that, you know, it's like we were we, we dug down real hard on some marketing stuff this year. And, real you know, we identified what we needed to know. And I mean, I spent probably three months this year just researching some digital marketing aspects. And, you know, I was honest about what we didn't know. And I mean, I busted it and I ended up writing an RFP and repositioning our marketing. So, OK. Ignorance is the second column. Third column is ineptitude, which is what are you being a slacker about? Yeah. Right. You know, I was just on a podcast with an accountant and I said to her, hey, you know, that's what everybody who's calling you is being inept. And they're just being slackers because everybody knows they need to keep their books up to date and they don't. Right. So we that's, that's I, I may or may not fall into that category. I don't know. I got it. So, OK, those are your three base categories. And then we look at, in with that matrix, with the business immune system report, we call that, we look at seven things. We look at, um, you know, your management, your personnel, your production, how you're doing your work, your facilities or plant, whichever one you want to call it, sure. your metrics, your um, marketing, and your sales. Okay. And you, you pick your business apart by asking questions of, you know, that, that makes 21 questions because three times seven is 21. I went to public school, but I can figure that out. <laughs> and sorry to all my teachers who were actually great teachers. It was me. And instead of just going, what could go wrong? You go, what could go wrong with our management? Or, you know, what could, so here's an example. What catastrophe could strike our, our, our personnel, you know, our team, right? You know, three years, probably six years ago, we were a lot smaller law firm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was doing a lot of the production. I was doing and I wasn't doing as much management. And at one point we got down to three lawyers. Right. You know, and I'm going, you know, we we run these reports when we meet quarterly and our business coaches will tell you we move quick because we don't make a lot of unforced errors. And, um, you know, so going back to that, when we had three lawyers, I'm going, dang, we, we need to be really careful about this because we've got a, a big book of business and we got to really make sure. And then, you know, so what do you do to act? Well, you got to go hire more and you got to take great care of everybody you got. Not that we didn't, you know, not that we weren't. Sure. I'm just using that to point out the idea of, um, you know, because you asked me this question and, and I pivoted on you about what, you know, what are the legal things you need to do? Well, I'm taking it back a step going, let's look at the vulnerabilities because the legal problems are just a symptom 
of something you did stupid down in here that can go wrong. You know, if you have business partners, this is what we touched on before. Do you have in your operating agreement a structure that's going to, you know, build out a peaceable exit of everybody? Sure. You know, and if you don't, you know, you need to fix that because, you know, I mean, you've been around, Larry, you know how many people go into business and they're like, oh, yeah, this guy and I grew up together. We're always going to get along. Yeah. 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 I, I, I even saw it as a kid, you know, seeing my, my, my parents uh, start businesses with their friends. And, uh, oh. you know, a couple of years later, guess what? They're not business partners or friends anymore. And they never took those yeah. steps necessary ahead of, the, uh, ahead of the launch to protect themselves with, uh, with the documentation and the outline that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And all that, you know, all that stuff, you know, if you ask the smart questions about what can go wrong, then, you know, that's what keeps you out of trouble. And, you know, and it also, it, it just propels, it hyperspeeds the growth of your business. And, you know, we, we see it time in, time out. Well, so many times we, people are afraid to have the conversation because especially if you're going into business with a friend, you, you, you don't want to go in and start pointing fingers going, well, if this happens or that happens, because you, you instinctively want to think that, well, we're best good pals. That's never going to happen. But I, I mean, it's a standard practice of mine. I don't do anything with anybody without a statement of work of some sort that outlines individual responsibilities on who's going to cover what and what uh, the repercussions if one of us doesn't follow through. I mean, mm -hmm. and it's protected me, you know, in, in this, because I, I learned the hard way. I didn't do that back in my other businesses, a couple of them. But where I'm at today, I've got all those protections in place and all the partnerships that I continue to go forward and establish. That statement of work and, and those expectations are established, documented, and set before we make that first step. Yeah. And, you know, Larry, I know a lot of people are afraid of of talking about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So the the thing I I one of my standard just whatever's about being the boss is you know look when you're the boss and that's the name of this podcast your job is to speak truth to the BS okay and you know our job is creating order out of the chaos. And, you know, if you just can't get up the courage to look a situation in the eye and call it for what it is, you don't need to be the boss because that's your job. Yeah. And I was pretty gratified. I got a call from another um, EO member who was in my EO entrepreneurs organization, mm -hmm. small forum. And she said, hey, man, I, I had to use that with somebody today. And I said, yeah, that's great. And then, so it's, it's kind of, it's, it's actually encouraging in to me because you're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's my main job. I don't know how in the world I got off on this. You, you just brought it out of me with the, <laughs> you're the boss thing, Larry. It's a but, passionate subject. Well, it is, it really is. And, you know, we were talking about legal and I, I'm really, I feel real viscerally about that because I hate to see people in trouble. And I love to just see entrepreneurs succeed. And I wrote that first book and the second one that's coming out to help teach entrepreneurs how to stay out of trouble, help help them grow faster. And, you know, there's, there's, 
and I'm not hawking books right now because I, I mean, we sell some books, but that's not a, a profit center for us. Sure. I, you know, uh, I think pretty much every entrepreneur has a book. And if you don't have a book as an entrepreneur, you probably need to write one. It's a nice calling card. 100%. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we give them away to any of our new clients and, you know, they're always kind of like, wow, this guy, A, wrote a book and B, gave me a book. Yep. And um, so, yeah, it's it's a nice calling card. But I love teaching people how to do that because it's, you know, that's as Americans, that's what we're here to do. You know, we're here to build wealth, build futures and build a better life for our kids. And if we're just making stupid mistakes, we're not going to get there. Truer words have never been spoken. And and hopefully those listening to this podcast are a little more open to receiving those words than, than I have typically been over the years. So it's 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 fun to hear them reinforced once again. But it, it, it can be scary, you know, when you're getting out there, especially these days. And uh, I'm kind of curious with the the whole creator economy that we've seen evolve over the last several years and the whole great resignation, this whole movement between or, or, or for um, I'm, I'm starting to hear it referred to as second life careers. Uh, are, are you seeing an uptick in in legal recourse or are you seeing an uptick in, in, in issues that are out there? More people having issues or people coming out and making these stupid mistakes that could be uh, circumvented with just a little bit of additional education? No. Oh, no, that's interesting. I didn't really. expect that answer. Um, I expected that to be a, I, you know, a definitive I, yes. Well, I'm I, I'm still puzzled by this great resignation deal. Yeah. We I, I was on a call with a bunch of guys that own law firms my size. It was the EL Lawyers Forum, which is a great group and a great peer group for me. And they were, several of them were talking about this great resignation, particularly guys from back East. Okay. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, everybody's resigning and quitting and what? I'm like, why? And and I just, we don't experience that. Interesting. Look, I, I'm a, a devotee of a whole bunch of authors. You know, Branson, Richard Branson mm-hmm. of the Virgin Group is the, you know, the maybe the, one who this idea is most strongly pronounced coming from, you know, of taking care of your people and then they'll take care of your customers. Right. I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple concept, but we, you know, I, we take, you know, we really strive to take care of our customers, of our internal customers. You know, our, our first core value of Davis business law is believe and protect their dreams. Okay, so, you know, let's look at that two ways. One is if we take an entrepreneur client, which we take a lot of them, let's believe their dream and let's protect their dream. Let's help them build their life, their better future for their kids. But I also look at that inwardly. So I've got two new employees here in Enid. They're a 20-year-old woman and a 30-something-year-old woman. And I'm taking them to lunch on Friday. I said, I want to know what your hopes and dreams are because I want to sit down, I want to talk about it, and I want to figure out how we can help you mm-hmm. get where you want to go in life. And and I don't want to get all preachy about it, but I am. And, <laughs> you know, because... Hang on for the ride, folks. Uh, I don't want to do it, but I have to. 
Yeah, I have to. Well, because guess what? I'm I'm ready, willing, and able to speak truth to the BS. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, we're going to sit down and we're going to figure out how to take care of them, how and and how to make their lives better, because, you know, that's ultimately what God put us on this earth to do. And, you know, we we don't we don't we just don't suffer from the great resignation. And we you know we really sow into our team. We do retreats twice a year. That's everybody goes you know, most law firms, it's like, oh, we're going to go on a lawyer retreat. We're like, no way, man. We are a team from, you know, receptionist to, by the way, is director of first impressions and super important for us. And all, you know, all the way up, you know, to me, or so to speak, to me. And, you know, um, sure. but, you know, I got to take care of everybody too. And, and here's the other kicker this is a great thing that we do. We take spouses on firm retreats. Lots of people that I talk to think that's completely bonkers. But, you know, if I've got a wife or a husband at home and their spouse is, you know, sewing into the law firm, working hard, I, you know, I don't want to leave them at home with the kids. Sure. I want to give them a break. And it makes a huge difference in. And here's where I felt really gratified. We were over at Grand Lake over in Northeast Oklahoma a couple of years ago. And we were at the Blind Swine, which is kind of a dive bar doing karaoke. And the bartender looks at us and goes, looks at me and goes, did you guys all grow up together? And I'm like, no, why? He says, because you party like you did. Wow. And I'm like, okay, that's what I want to hear. You know, that's amazing. And um, <clears throat> so I guess, you know, I'm a contrarian in a lot of ways. And I, you, know, you asked me a question about the great resignation and, and, you know, this, this kind of comes down to, you know, one of the things I talk about in my next book is uh, I look at your vulnerabilities from kind of a different angle. And I talk about the competition as one of your vulnerabilities. I'm like, how do you deal with them? I'm like, just figure out what everybody hates about them and do the opposite. <laughs> It's it's it really is that simple, and and I think it's yeah. people try too hard to overcomplicate it, and you know it, it's interesting because I just divorced my W two January of last year, okay for the for the final time, and while right. I have built businesses, they were always side hustles. I would build them to the point of where I either had to divorce my W two and go full time, or go ahead and sell it, and I never yeah. had the never had the the fortitude the inner fortitude to go ahead and make that jump so I would build them and sell them and build them and sell them and that was kind of my my, my side hobby for for a while but this time I had to I had to go ahead and make that jump and you know I was with that same company for 21 years and wow. yeah and over the course of that you know when I first started working there the first we'll say the first 10 years it was amazing because they operated under the same philosophies that you operate under. Everything was family. Everything was, everybody was a, a core component. And this is a major, you know, a major company. It was founded in 1919 and they're a global organization. And, uh, but they still operated under those values and those principles. And it was an amazing place to work. We used to say that if you made it past that first year, you're a lifer because you're not going anywhere because you're not going to yeah. find any place better to work than this particular company. But, as time went on, let's say that second half, that last 10 years, 
got to be, it got to where it felt very different. You know, they'd made a, a variety of acquisitions over the years. And with those acquisitions came different company cultures from the companies that they bought, um, different yeah. management from the companies that they bought. And that would come in and it started to change the entire feel and the entire vibration of the company itself. And it became, at least from my perspective, it became uh, intolerable. Uh, no longer were you all a, a, a cohesive unit everything became very departmentalized and everything became very sectioned off and every department, even if they had no relation to each other, were still competing. You know, they, it was just, it became, everybody was willing to eat their own. It seemed like that last 10 years. And I had to get out because that's not what I'm there for. That's not the environment that I want to be in. And I, I believe that's the driving force behind the vast majority of this great resignation that we hear about. There's not enough companies out there that have the approach or have the mentality that you have with your business on a larger scale. And they're losing sight of that. And people are no longer people. They're just objects that you work and work and work and work and then you discard. And that, in my personal opinion, is why you're seeing this great resignation. And in my personal opinion, it's why you, Matt, are not seeing it within your organization. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense to me. And by the way, that's you know one thing I love about doing podcasts is I always learn about stuff like this. I mean, I'm always I'm gonna go you know so my brain's going about the 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 great resignation now and. You know, the thing you were describing is there's we did family law years ago and we quit it because we hated it. And <laughs> and uh, but, you know, people used in, in family law, you know, people will or in they'll talk about blended families. And I'm yeah. like, most blended families are collided families. And most uh, sometimes it works. Most company cultures are collided cultures, and you know that's why we don't do any acquisitions. I mean, I could buy law firms and or law practices or whatever. I just won't do it, yeah, um, because you know I can go out recruit, and you know I've got two adopted kids, and people ask me, "Well, how old were they when you adopted them?" And I said. We adopt them each, both of them, when they were one, because we wanted to screw them up our style. Yeah, right? of course. You know, <laughs> we wanted to grow up with pathologies we recognized, so that when we, you know, when we have to go to counseling sessions with them when they're thirty-five, that at least we'll know what. Oh, you know, what yeah, we I caused that. That yeah, that's on me. Yeah, yeah sorry yeah, about that. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, you just wasted twenty years of your life in agony about that. Yeah, so my bad. Uh, yeah. Well, Matt, man, let's wrap this thing up. Tell us again about the, not the blueprint, but the checklist, where people can get <laughs> it and, and how people can reach out to you and learn more. I do that all the time. I got all these names and I can't remember them. And by the way, like all of our internal reports, I just color coded. So I don't have to remember the names of them. <laughs> Give me that so, red one. I need the red one today, please. That's exactly it. Yeah. We got the red report. We got the orange, you know, the blue report. And it's like, okay, I don't have to remember any names because I, you know, I got brain damage from three years of law school and 25 <laughs> and five kids. So, um, yeah. Hey, so if anybody wants the checklist, just pop me an email. Emails M Davis, which is Matt Davis without the at, at, at davisbusinesslaw.com. And we've got a lot of resources up at davisbusinesslaw.com. Incidentally, in the resources tab, imagine that. Wow. So, I guess all that legal school, all that law school that taught you how to file and, and organize things in a, in a logical Man, manner. I am a 
fantastic organizer. It's that's that's like one of the things I'm really good at. I once we had a case with seventy five thousand documents in it, and I I had it so organized, and you know the other lawyers would call me and they're like. Davis, where's that? I'm going to be like, it's at page, you know, 64,372. So, yeah, that's my obsessive compulsive tendencies shining through. It's not a disorder, just tendencies. Hey, hey, good on you, sir. Good on you, because I have a hard time organizing five pages. So, <laughs> but anyways, Matt, man, I, I really I appreciate the time. The conversation was very insightful and a lot of fun, too. So I really appreciate you stopping by and, and joining us for an episode. Thank you, Larry. This was fun. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. This has been another amazing episode of You're the Boss. And that's what we want to remember is that we are the boss. You are the boss. And you make all of those decisions. So from this episode, I think we could take that we need to make some good decisions right out of the gate and take some preemptive action on our part to protect us, protect our assets, protect our family, and protect our business. So if you got some value out of this episode, do me a favor, subscribe to the show, maybe leave us a rating and review, but the most important thing is to subscribe so that I can continue to bring you this amazing content each and every week. So until the next episode, thank you once again. Y'all take care. You've just listened to You're the Boss with Larry Roberts. Join us for our next episode where we help you achieve your goals and live your absolute best life. Be sure to subscribe, connect, and share. Until next time, remember, you're the boss.